And what we've learned from studying Gen Z is when they're going through this journey from high school, they are very communal. They don't wanna go through this experience alone. I think experiences and relationship building are really the future of marketing. You know, 64% of Gen Z has had to take mental health breaks from social media. So I think there's also been this real shift in social and in students recognizing the sometimes toxic impact that social can have. And so it's not always a safe space for students to engage on sort of the traditional platforms. And that impacts everybody who's trying to engage them on those platforms, all brands, not, not just higher ed. We, we like to see serious things sometimes too, but we, we like a good mix of fun and serious. Welcome to Collective Enrollment, a special four-part podcast series that explores the future of student marketing and recruitment brought to you by Zimi and Enrollify. Over the next four weeks, you'll get a crash course on what Collective Enrollment is, why it matters for both enrollment and marketing professionals, and how to adopt Collective Enrollment strategies into your enrollment marketing mix. We'll explore what a world without Facebook and the College Board might mean for new student acquisition. We'll hear the founding story of Zimi, and we'll learn from current high school students about how they want to and don't want to be recruited by institutions. This series is brought to you by Zimi. Zimi is the go-to social community for students headed to college. More than 1 million students use Zimi to connect and chat with other prospective students interested in the same colleges and universities. And more than 150 schools use Zimi to establish and facilitate quality relationships with future students as early as their sophomore year in high school. To learn more about Zimi, head on over to colleges.zimi.com. And be sure to tell them that your friends over at Enrollify sent you their way. Without further ado, welcome to Collective Enrollment. We're allowing colleges and universities to allow all those students to actually connect with each other uh, so they don't go through this siloed experience. And so that's, that's what we call collective enrollment. You know, it's, it's not waiting until they're admitted. It's not, you know, it is, it is allowing them at the earliest of stages to all connect. In this episode of Collective Enrollment, you'll meet Harrison Campbell, or Soup, as he's more commonly known, who is the Director of Product and Marketing at Zimi. Before joining the Zimi team, Soup worked in both admissions and marketing for more than eight years at a number of different institutions. On today's podcast, Soup outlines what collective enrollment is, explains why it's so important, and discusses how it relates to and differs from community marketing. You can connect with Soup on LinkedIn or Twitter via the links in the show notes below. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Enrollify's latest podcast collaboration. And today we are sitting down with none other than Harrison Soup Campbell from Zimi. And Soup, I'm just like pumped because I feel like Enrollify and Zimi have been friends for a while. But like, we're finally like close friends now, or we're actually partnering on, you know, this super cool podcast series. So we share the same vibrant, like neon orange colors. I mean, like yes. we're a relationship that's like been a long time coming and it's finally arrived. So I'm happy, man. How, how are you doing? Yes, doing awesome, Zach. And I, I agree 100%. Been following you for a long time. Love everything that you and Enrollify are up to. And and you're right. I mean, it was it was destiny. I mean, we got the same colors, the same, you know. So yeah, really, really excited to connect with you today and just to chat a little bit. And uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. So for our listeners too, this is the first episode of a special series we're doing with the Zimi team. And the series is called Collective Enrollment the future of student marketing and recruitment. And so we're going to be talking to a number of folks over on the Zimi team, including some uh, Zimi student power users. And really what I'm super interested in talking with you today about soup is, is this like new term that you guys have, you know, branded and like brought into the higher ed ecosystem, which is around like collective enrollment and what the Zimi see, the Zimi team sees is sort of like, the future of how schools will engage with prospective students and quite frankly, how, you know, students engage with each other throughout the sort of college search uh, and, and admissions process. So 
Before we kind of dive into defining collective enrollment and talking to our audience about what this actually means, I'd love to just start with, you know, allowing them to get to know Soup a little bit better. So Soup, when when you were first introduced to social media, like what apps were around, what networks were people using, and like what was your very first username or, or handle? Oh my gosh, Zach. So you're you're putting me on the spot here and you're you're making me kind of age myself here so that everyone knows I'm a dinosaur in this space when it comes <laughs> to uh, social media. But you know, I go back really to the early days. And so early in my career, I actually was a middle school and high school teacher. Oh wow. And we go back to, gosh, I want to say maybe around the you know, 2008 kind of time frame, somewhere in there. Uh, I was also a head baseball coach. And so I was literally got on MySpace and was leveraging that for my baseball program. I actually was one of those kind of early adopters that was, you know, designing these really unique overlays to MySpace <laughs> and making it look unique. And like, we built this enormous following on my on MySpace for this tiny little high school baseball program. And so like that was my first real kind of introduction to like, wow, this is something fascinating and new and a way to kind of market this, you know, this, this team that I coach and the school that I represent. And so that was really kind of my first introduction kind of there. And I think, you know, maybe an early name, I can't even remember what usernames were, but this is uh, completely embarrassing as well. This stems from early Hotmail days. Zach, you're too young. You don't even know what Hotmail yeah, what's is. Hotmail? No. But I, my, my Hotmail email name was soupdaddy at hotmail.com. Oh, that's beautiful. So, that's beautiful. So not, 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 not too different to, to young people today when they're embarrassed to share what their, you know, what their snap handles are. Like, oh, I'm so embarrassed to share. Yeah, that's, that's me with my Hotmail email. So I'm sure I had some soupdaddy accounts back in the early days. That's amazing. Did you, did the MySpace page was like, did you have a page with like music? Like one of the things I remember about MySpace, I think, I, I, I was never allowed, like my parents were like, like banned me from having a MySpace, right. but I did, you know, like every delinquent middle school or I created my own. And I always thought like the pages with like the, with like the music were like the best. Did you have music on, on your page? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the really cool things that I had tied into that, that, that MySpace page for the baseball program was uh, a soundboard that we uh -huh. even, that we even built and so, you know, all of the sounds, the music, the songs that would, you know, our team would play in between innings. And yeah, it was really cool. And it was, it, it was fascinating because at that time I even had, you know, I would get lots of inquiries from like bands and artists, like, oh, can you design like this, a page for us that wow. looks like what your baseball for? So yeah, I mean, it was really fun in those early days. Uh, of MySpace, but yeah, that's that's how old I am when it comes to this stuff. That's amazing. Uh, that's great. Well, you, I, I feel like you are so active on social, and I, I always appreciate your content. And it's cool to see, you know, early adopters of social as they, you know, as they as new platforms emerge, and seeing you know the folks that jump onto those new platforms become early adopters there, and figure out okay, how do I you know effectively play in this ecosystem? It's there are some mechanics that are similar to things like MySpace, but it's also like, you know, Facebook and MySpace, they're not the same. How do we, you know, work in this environment? So it's cool to see folks like grow with social and, you know, figure out what works and what doesn't in, in each sandbox. And we're going to talk about, you know, a little bit about that today as well. But, you know, just for our the sake of our listeners here, you are now the marketing lead at Zimi and Zimi is, you know, one of the fastest growing social media networks. And I believe like the top rated college search platform for the college search process. But before you joined Zimi, as you mentioned, you were a teacher, you were a baseball coach, but you also worked in higher ed admissions and marketing. And I'm curious, like to, to kick us off here, what were two or three of like the more significant shifts that you witnessed in marketing and student recruitment during your time when you were working in higher ed as a as an actual practitioner. Yeah, great. Yeah, definitely can can speak on that. So yeah, so I taught high school for I think you know five or six years, and then I did kind of one of those early career changes, and I you know I, I accepted this position as an entry level admission counselor at Indiana State University, and so. When I started, I think this is right around 2010, and that's where we had already been seeing the shift where MySpace was kind of on a decline, and there was kind of this newer thing emerging that a lot of people were moving over to uh, called Facebook. 
And so, you know, at first I didn't even like, you know, I'm like, this is lame. Like, look how boring this looks compared to, <laughs> you know, to my space. Like, I'm never going to use this thing. But shortly after I started at, at Indiana State, you know, I thought, listen, I, I had so much success with the way I leveraged MySpace. You know, what if we set up this type of group on this thing called the Facebook and we really try to reach out to all of these incoming students that we're kind of, you know, trying to market to and engage. And so I created that there and it it actually caused a storm of controversy. Huh. It was it was this aspect of like, you know, you know, at that time it was marketing and communications kind of owned everything. You know, you're kind of siloed. And what is this rogue new admissions guy doing getting on this platform? And, you know, we, sh- we would never leverage something like that to talk to students. <laughs> and so like, you know, that, that's what it was like, you know, in those early days. So I think, you know, my experience of about 10 years in higher ed was I was there at the beginning when we started to embrace social media as a channel to, you know, to kind of engage uh, audiences. And it was so new back then and kind of scary. So, you know, that was a big change that I saw kind of starting there in that, that time frame. And another, I'd say another real significant change during my 10 years too, would be just, you know, that transition to more digital, you know, we, we did things traditionally, you know, for decades where it was more focused on print and, you know, the, the view book, the printed view book was the, you know, was the most, you know, amazing piece of content that we could leverage, you know, for prospective students. And so, you know, you just, you saw that transition into more digital spaces and more uh, digital ways to advertise and market. And I think we saw, you know, the rise of our, our college and university websites becoming much smarter and more sophisticated than just simply, a, you know, kind of a newspaper in a digital form, so to speak. And so that was a big change. And then maybe thirdly, which really might not necessarily tie in with, with lots of focus kind of on marketing, but, you know, the tail end of my 10 years, I started to see that that transition of test optional. Mm. And so a, a lot of us thinking, you know, around the traditional ways that we start to acquire leads and things like that, you know, as, as, you know, standardized tests, you know, we're starting to kind of maybe lose a little bit of that focus, that pillar that was always kind of relied on as students, you know, kind of make that transition from high school to college. So those, you know, probably three areas of, of some significant change I saw during my 10 years. Yeah, I feel like like that was that season two is just a, was an exciting time in in you know the digital ecosystem holistically, but specifically in social. Like you know that that was the era where you you could put out content on Facebook and people would actually see it, right? Like you your organic right. content would generate qualified inquiries. Like it was this like yeah. beautiful time, and I feel like what higher ed got to take advantage of was all these other industries jumped on social, figured out how to do it, and then higher ed sort of like you know crawled into it in so, somewhat reluctantly depending on the institution that you worked with but but they got to take advantage of the fact that attention was already there right like people were spending time on these networks and and organic reach you could still get you know 10 15 20 you know in in some cases at one point you know 50 percent of the people that actually followed you would still see your content and i i distinctly remember working with a school and they they were just shocked because they they had we we helped them put out a couple of like organic social posts or something you know ridiculous it was probably like sign up for this newsletter or like here's a you know a free ebook that you should download something like you know relatively lame and they they generated like 25 inquiries for like a relatively niche graduate program based off of those organic posts and i, I distinctly remember talking to the director of graduate admissions in and she was like she was like floored she was like oh my gosh this like this is the you know next best thing since sliced bread like this is the future right and and then like literally two three you know ish years later organic reach plummets and now you know it's it's incredibly difficult to reach anyone on facebook so anyways all that is to say is what a cool sort of exciting time to like be an early adopter in social with an industry that is historically a little bit slower to to jump into new things yeah no doubt zach i mean those were fun times you know being able to tap into networks like that when they're more in their infancy it's really that those were the fun days i sometimes when i chat with you know some of my younger you know friends and colleagues you know that that manage social at college and universities sometimes i you know i hate it that they 
you know, missed out on kind of experiencing some of that because it is, it's a lot of fun when you're, you know, early in on some of these platforms, but maybe they're getting that with TikTok. You know, yeah. I think uh, they're, they're early adopters on some of these new platforms. So they probably are still getting a taste of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, so true. So Soup, can you just give us a quick little elevator pitch for what Zemi is, both for like how you would pitch it to a prospective student? I'm sure people listening have all like heard of Zemi, but you know, there might be a pretty broad understanding of you know, who you all are and what you do. And, or there might even be some like incorrect understandings of, you know, what Zemi is and what Zemi does. So like if you were to pitch Zemi to a user, right. And explain why a user, why a student user would use Zemi, what would you say? And then follow that up with just like a, here's why colleges and universities should, you know, care about Zemi. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great question. I think, you know, to, to students today, it's pretty simple. You know, Zemi is kind of the new it, platform that they just want to use as they kind of go through this journey from high school to college. So, you know, it's become kind of that thing, you know, a lot of them don't really discover it, you know, until they're maybe, you know, sophomores, juniors in high school, once, you know, it really becomes uh, real that they're going to, to start to have to think about college and, and that journey. But to them, like, that's what it's all about. And it's just all about making friendships and connections. Mm. Like they're looking like who else is thinking about this college or university? Like, I just want to meet other students and make new friendships around this school that I may, you know, may apply to, or I may end up attending. So for students, it's kind of that it's that the same way they see Instagram and snap and TikTok. It's just that in the palm of their hand all day, 24 seven, allowing them to have that experience for colleges and universities. It's a little bit different. We always share. You're right. I think, you know, in higher ed today, virtually everybody at least knows the name Zemi. You've heard it. But Zemi is actually very different today than what it started out as about eight years ago. So people that know Zemi from the early days, remember it started as this web-based platform. It was all about the digital portfolio. Yeah. You know, let students be seen for who they really are. So they would upload these great pictures and videos of all their academic experiences and leadership, all these things, and they could attach that to their college applications, you know, bring that application to life. Actually, colleges today still ask for that. You know, there's a lot of students that still do that, but really that is not what Zemi is today. Today, Zemi has become this, this community social platform and it's exploded in popularity. You know, we're consistently in the top 100 in the app store, you know, and it's, it's, colleges and universities looking for a way to find the social platform where they can really build uh, community. And the cool thing about it, you know, we, we leverage all the other platforms in higher ed, you know, we leverage Facebook, we leverage it, you know, we leverage all these social platforms, but none of those are really built and engineered specifically for colleges and universities. Yeah. And so I think that's real, the real advantage for colleges and universities. We build this for students and we build this for them. And I think, you know, that's where we really focus in on. We build all the exciting features, things like the roommate matching and, you know, audio chats and the live social events. And then, you know, you combine that with all the really cool, unique student behavioral data and insights. You know, one of the examples is we have this really cool, you know, proprietary predictive deposit algorithm that, it, it, Zach, I'm not kidding. And this thing is so accu accurate that it now predicts with 90% accuracy the likelihood of a student depositing before that student has even applied wow. to the school. So that's the kind of stuff I think for colleges and universities that they're like, we want to tap into that. That's the direction that we want to move towards. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. And, and just just to walk through this from a user standpoint, right? So if I download the Zemi app and I'm a prospective college student. I can go and essentially follow or join the communities of prospective of schools that I'm, you know, considering. And it's as simple as something as like following something, following a profile on Instagram or joining a Slack community is like, what, what, what are the kind of first steps that a user would take after they download Zemi? Yeah, exactly. You're right. So, you know, for students, this is a free app. It's in the app store for iOS. It's in the Google play store for Android. So you're right. You know, step one is just, Oh, this, this cool new app. Let me install this. You know, you go through that quick onboarding where you set up your profile. I think students would tell you the profiles on Zemi, you know, actually seem a lot more like dating kind of profiles because they're so like, you know, it's just got, you know, these fun facts, questions they answer, you know, their bios, they can attach their other social handles. 
you know, so for students, you know, that's what they're doing. And, and you're right. So they get on the app, follow, you know, any college, university. And again, it's to like, I want to meet, I want to get in these chat channels and see who else is thinking about this school, you know? And so that's what they're doing. You know, that's, you know, what they're spending their time, you know, chatting and connecting with each other and building those relationships and friendships with each other. Wonderful. Thanks for, uh, thanks for explaining that. So one, one of the reasons I'm super excited about this series that we're doing in partnership with you all is because you guys have spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what the future of student recruitment is actually going to look like and how schools can better align their marketing and their recruitment strategies with the ways in which that today's students actually, you know, behave and the ways in which today's students actually consider colleges and, and universities and decide ultimately where they want to enroll. And you guys have sort of arrived at this idea of uh, quote unquote collective enrollment being this new framework to think about modern marketing and recruitment to, you know, Gen Z. So I'd love for you to just define collective enrollment and explain a little bit about like from Zimi's perspective, like what is this and, and how exactly does this work? Yeah, I think you're, you know, this is, this is new. And so I think, yeah, it's, it's great to kind of frame this out a little bit and help people understand exactly what this collective enrollment thing is. So let's, let's think traditionally how we've always marketed to prospective students. We've kind of done it the same way, you know, for a long time. And so you think about what we leverage, you know, we have these amazing websites now where a prospective student can land on the website and get great information. You know, now we use sophisticated CRMs that we can build these incredible email com flows. You know, we leverage all of those other social media channels and we, you know, able to, you know, have brand saturation and kind of share that out with the world. You know, print, you know, we still do some print. We're texting students. So, you know, a lot of those things, you know, are kind of the traditional ways we market to prospective students. But if you look at that through the lens of the prospective student mm. and how, how they are experiencing it, it's siloed. They are always experiencing that by themselves. So they by themselves were sitting at the computer looking at your website. They by themselves watched a YouTube video that you posted. They by themselves you know, read an email that you sent them. And what we've learned from studying Gen Z is when they're going through this journey from high school to college, they are very communal. They don't want to go through this experience alone. They, they know other students are probably receiving these things in this outreach, but they want to be in it together. Mm. And so, so that's, that's what we really focus on at Zemi is we're allowing colleges and universities to allow all those students to actually connect with each other. Uh, so they don't go through this siloed experience. And so that's, that's what we call collective enrollment. You know, it's, it's not waiting until they're admitted. It's not, you know, it is, it is allowing them at the earliest of stages to all connect with each other. So collective enrollment, it's, it's just simply connecting all of those prospective students together in community, starting at the top of the funnel when they're prospects, you know, it's, we're at a stage now that if you're, if you're still leveraging those old class of Facebook groups, and you're waiting until the admit stage to try to start to build that community, you know, you're just missing out on a huge opportunity to tap into collective enrollment. And so basically collective enrollment is really leveraging the power of authentic peer-to-peer -peer influence. And Zach, if I could just say this real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, on peer-to-peer, on -peer, this is something that I, I always spend a little bit of time talking about. In higher ed, we throw around that term a lot. You know, we're, we're the peer-to-peer -peer platform, or we focus on peer-to-peer. -peer. We're the experts in peer-to-peer. -peer. And it's always in the context of how we leverage our current college students. And we, we know how valuable that is. We always want to leverage the current college student to show the life, you know, through their lens, the experience. But what real peer-to-peer -peer influence is a high school senior influencing other high school seniors, high school juniors influencing other... And that's, that's what most colleges haven't been able to tap into yet. That's what collective enrollment is. So when we invite all those students in to, to connect with each other, now when one of those students uh, has been really excited, you're their number one school, they actually were able to go on a college visit, 
they're sharing that with all of those other senior peers. And that voice is what's really, really powerful. And that's, that's the heart of what collective enrollment's all about. Wonderful. That's a, that's a fantastic definition. And, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking as you're talking, if a student, if a prospect is willing to go onto your university website and start a chat with a current student, right, or submit a form and a current student in the biology program, we'll get back to them in 24 to 48 hours, you know, answering their questions, whatever it is, the, they're already much further down sort of the traditional enrollment journey, the traditional sort of uh, enrollment funnel than, than, you know, a student who might have received a couple of mailers from you they've received some some emails right maybe they're a part of your search campaign and they might be kind of considering you but at the point at which they are willing to spend time on your university's website chatting with a current student they're already like way 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 further down the funnel to considering your institution what you guys are doing which i think is like pretty remarkable and incredible is you're enabling those those intersection points you're enabling in, in enabling them to uh, develop brand affinity and understand who else might have brand affinity way, 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 way earlier on in their journey to college. And I think what's really interesting about that is obviously Gen Z, you know, cares a ton about authenticity. They're also just, there's a lot of data coming out to you around how Gen Z doesn't respond to influencers in the same way that like millennials respond to influencers, but like Gen Z will trust their, you know, the buddy sitting next to them about whether or not they should, you know, buy this hat or buy this, you know, piece of, uh, yeah, a t-shirt, whatever it is. And the, the power of, of peer to peer, like the power of what I would call like friend to friend, whether that's digital friend right. or physical friend, right? Like in, that that word of mouth it it just trumps everything it trumps what your parents say it trumps what you know an influencer says it definitely trumps what a college or university says in their you know in their outreach to you so what's interesting to me is you guys have developed a way in which students can actually start building community with other potential peers who are going to join a college or university long before they're even ready to apply and that that is incredible and like I, I would imagine there are stories and i'd love for you to share some of this where you know students weren't even really considering a school like maybe they followed a school because like you know their brother's you know uh, ex-girlfriend went there or whatever like they had heard about the school they so they follow it when they're on zini they're not really considering it but they ended up you know making friendships or relationships with people in that in that community that that chat room of the school and before you know it like school that was you know, not even really, it was 10, you know, 10th choice becomes maybe third or second on their list. And I would imagine there's dozens of stories, probably hundreds of stories of stuff that, you know, happens just like that within Zimi. Yeah, absolutely. And and it happens every single day. You know, I, I take screenshots a lot of times as these students are just, you know, I, I love to lurk in a lot of these chat channels on Zimi. It's fascinating. I mean, they chat 24 seven. I mean, all day during, you know, they're, they're in high school and they're chatting on Zimi. You know, it's three o'clock in the morning. They're chatting in these college, university, Zimi communities. But you will see exactly what you just described, Zach. You will see a student, you know, I share a screenshot a lot of time when we're, you know, introducing, you know, Zimi to a new college or university where, you know, it shows this student that says, you know, I use Elon University, you know, as an example in this screenshot. And she's, you know, these students are, they're just getting to meet each other. And it's like, it's exciting. They're chatting. And uh, this one student says, you know, I didn't care much about Elon before, but this group chat has made it one of my top schools. And like, think about like that blows my mind, not your website, yeah, not yeah, all the yeah, stuff, yeah. you've been, not all the emails you've been spamming me. Not like it was until I got in this chat and started like meeting and like building relationships with all of you and just seeing this excitement, like. I'm considering this school now, like this might be the best fit for me. And that happens every single day in these college and university communities on Zemi. It's really, really powerful stuff. I would imagine too, that these are really interesting spaces for hired marketers and admissions folks to, to also lurk in because I, I can imagine students, right. Talking about the marketing collateral that they're experiencing, right. Like from these schools or saying, Hey, did anyone else get this email or did anyone else see this social post and, and for better or for worse? Like that could, it could, I'm sure there's like really interesting data that can be garnered from, you know, what is the, what is the word on the digital Gen Z street 
about your school, right? Like, what are people really right. saying? Like, what are the marketing campaigns that are working? Like, where there's, you know, significant ad recall and people are talking about it versus, you know, what are the things that are totally falling flat? Like, what's cringy? Like, what are people talking about that, like, your school uh, needs to stop doing? So I, I would imagine that the amount of data that could be ascertained from these communities is not just helpful for admissions, but also remarkably helpful for, for marketing and how folks think about sort of brand level communications and, you know, holistic recruitment campaigns. Yeah, without question. I think, you know, many of us on the higher end side, we're, we're struggling to find ways to really communicate with these students, you know, kind of where, where they are. And so one of the things we often share at Zemi is, you know, like we literally know everything about your students. I know what their top Harry Potter house is. I know what the top TV show is that they're watching. You know, I, I know what their Myers-Briggs person, like, but when you know that, so when a college and university can know those types of unique things about all of those students that are in their Zemi community, now you can communicate with them in ways you never could before. So now maybe I'm able to send an email that says, attention all ENFPs. And like those students see that in the subject line and one, they might be like, okay, wait a minute, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> but like they open that email and now they're actually paying attention and students now feel like, wow, this college or university actually really knows who we are. They're not just spamming us to sign up for our next preview day. Yeah, yeah. They're actually talking to us about things that are relevant and important to us. And I think that's where the colleges and universities on Zemi are really able to tap into that. And it's just hard to do that if you don't really know who your students are. So what trends, you know, are you and, and the team seeing or, or what data do you have to, to suggest that this thing, collective enrollment, is in fact, you know, the future and is in fact a recruitment strategy that college and, colleges and universities should, you know, adopt and or at least like think a little bit more about. And, you know, I, I would go as far as to say is that this is kind of a fundamental shift in how to think about marketing and recruitment. Like if if what we're saying here is that, there is incredible power in how a high school senior influences another high school senior at their school or across the country, by the way. And and that influence, right, like has a huge bearing on whether or not they decide to enroll in your institution or, you know, whether or not you end up making it into their top three, top, you know, 10, whatever it is. Then, then I would imagine that, you know, this requires a change in how we kind of think about communicating with students. This requires some sort of change in how, and you know the the vehicles, the channels in which we communicate with students. So, what are the what are the data that do you guys have, or what are the things that you're paying attention to that you think are important to share to encourage folks to think about these strategies seriously and and adopt them in their own context? Yeah, I think you know one of the trends that I'm seeing, and I think you you already actually touched on this a little bit, but it's it's becoming increasingly challenging to rely on some of the traditional social platforms to really reach new prospective students. So, you know, again, we'll, we'll think on terms of uh, prospective students. So you mentioned this, like in the early days of Facebook, and I, I experienced this as well, I could quickly build this amazing following, I could produce this great piece of content, and literally overnight could have, you know, tens of thousands of likes and shares and, and comments. And that's because, you know, in those, in those days, you had that full organic reach. And, you know, what we know about Facebook today is, and a lot of other platforms today is, as these social platforms evolve, you know, they have to survive financially. And what happens is, you know, most of them turn into ad platforms. Yeah. And, you know, we're, I'm seeing a lot of my higher ed marketing friends just really say, like, it's, you know, it's kind of getting pointless on Facebook. Like, we, you know we spend all this time producing great content and the only way we can get an audience to see it is to spend a lot of money. And so I think that's the challenge. And we're seeing a lot of higher ed marketers think we're, we're just not able to maybe fully tap into some of these social platforms like we, you know, were able to previously. And so I think that's something that we're seeing happen, you know, and trying to wrap our heads around, you know, how can we still, you know, reach students or is it worth, you know, is it even worth at this point to continue with a certain platform throwing tens of thousands of dollars and really not getting that return? So I think that's a trend uh, I'm seeing. Another trend I think is this shift away from the traditional way in higher ed enrollment management of lead generation. You know, for years it was all about, we just purchase 
a bunch of names and we load up the top of that funnel and we know like based on how many we purchase, we know it'll trickle down and we'll bring in the class we want. And so, you know, things again with test optional, you know, every single year getting further and further, you know, away and colleges and universities moving away from that. You know, I think we're scrambling like, is this really the best way to do this? Is that the best way? And so I think when I talk to a lot of my friends on the college university side, many of them are telling me, you know, it's not really that we have a lead generation problem. Like where where we really struggle is just with lead conversion. And that's, you know, that's where that, like, that's where Xenia is really, really powerful. And so, you know, again, when you move towards this collective enrollment model, and you move towards, we're going to connect all of our prospective students together in community at the starting at the top of the funnel. What we've seen happen on Zemi is the result of that. And this, this is consistent year over year. And it doesn't matter if you're a community college. It doesn't matter if you're a grad school or, you know, the most well-known name university in the world. This is consistent. But students apply it to X they end up melting at half the rate because of those connections and relationships. And ultimately they're depositing and yielding at three X. And again, this is just consistent year over year. So it's really powerful. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of colleges and universities are are moving in this direction because this is where they can really move the needle on a lot of those enrollment goals. Yeah. I think ultimately what, what you're getting at too is, you know, while Zemi is obviously an independent platform, there's a lot of talk in the greater marketing ecosystem right now about like rented audiences versus owned audiences versus, you know, paid audiences. And I, I do think that there's just this greater awareness in the industry that it's like, dang, like we can't throw all of our eggs in like the traditional social media basket. Like we can't rely on like the money's just not there. We can't, we can't keep spending tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to get in front of folks on on Facebook, especially as, you know, Apple has significantly upped its its security and whatnot. And it, it, the, the profiling and, you know, the, the psychographic and, and demographic targeting that selects that you used to have access to are just significantly more limited. And, you know, there, we, could, we could debate whether or not that's a good or, or a bad thing all day. But ultimately, what I think is happening is there's this awareness in the industry as you're kind of uh, heading on that wait a second we need to, we need to rethink like lead sources we need to rethink the way in which engagement and and really like the sales process we have to reimagine it and this is like this is a vehicle through which we actually can get our content out to the right audiences we can monitor what's working and what's not and we can learn from you know what's what's the conversation right in the lunchroom and how do we take that and have it infuse you know our our top funnel and and, and mid funnel strategies so w- one of the things that i feel like the, the industry is talking a lot more about community marketing right and this idea that oh, you know everyone needs to build a community and a, a lot of the people that talk about like building a community i think you know they they conflate community with like audience and like those are two different things right like i once heard one of my podcast hosts a sampar he talked about he's he's the founder of the hustle and they have a pod called my first million and and one of the ways that he sort of differentiated community from audience is he said you know community is what happened like a a community can live if you're not there like if if you've removed yourself right and you're like you know the facilitator of the community or you're the brand It'll go on. Chatter will happen, right? A conversation will happen. Sales will happen, and you won't even have to be a part of it. Whereas an audience, you know, it relies on you. It's more of like a one-way street, right? And the minute that you stop creating content, right, it dies, right? Or or, or people forget about you. And so I'd love for you to sort of hash out, like, what is the difference between community marketing and collective enrollment? Like, are they the same thing? Are they different? How would you how would you sort of define how they might overlap and then also how they're distinct? Yeah, I think, you know, in its most basic form, I think community marketing is simply engaging and interacting with existing customers around your brand. You know, that these are the customers you already have. You know, you're listening to their needs, their wants, you know, you're focused on, you know, you know, building those long-term relationships, like with that particular group, you know, it's about conversation, the power of making your customers feel recognized, heard, and important, you know, that's community marketing. They're already customers, you know, they're already those evangelists loyal to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this, 
you know, that that's in contrast to what we know as just traditional marketing and advertising, where the focus is generating new leads, finding new customers. And, you know, Zach, this is something that I always ruffle feathers. I say this when I talk to a lot of uh, my friends in higher ed marketing and enrollment management, and they, they kind of get shocked by it. But I always say, you know, I hate to tell you this. It's not about you. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really not. I know you think it is like, I know, you know, you think your brand uh, for the universe is the most important thing in the world. It's not. And so in, in my world, you know, it's, it's about the student and, you know, somehow we've got to this place in higher ed, you know, where we think, you know, that brand is what's most important, you know, and I'll see marketing teams, you know, obsess, you know, over like, you know, what's the content? Like, we've got to get our content calendar ready. Like, what do we got to post? And, you know, they'll have, they'll spend meetings thinking about, okay, what should we post this year? for international cats that love watching TV day. We really don't, you know, we don't want to miss that. And I'm like, this is like, this is crazy. Like, what are we doing? No one cares about that. You know, what, what students want most, students are wanting to connect with each other. You know, and I think like that's, you know, that's really what's different about all this. And, and collective enrollment is leveraging the power of community marketing, but then like taking that a step further by not only allowing that community, you know, to, that you already have those kind of evangelists and the students that already love you and you've been their number one, their dream school, but you're including all of those other students that still may be undecided. Yeah. They still yeah. don't know. And, and so they're being influenced. So like, again, in the context of higher ed, it's tapping into that voice of the prospective student, leveraging that true, authentic peer-to-peer -peer influence. That's kind of the you know, the differences between community marketing, but also, you know, how community marketing and collective enrollment are kind of tied in together. Yeah. And that makes a ton of sense. And I, and I appreciate that, that last little bit that you shared, because I do think what's essentially, what essentially you're doing is you're allowing access. Like you're like, community is typically, or, or can all, you know, can often be exclusive. Right. And it's like, it's reserved for the people that are, that are your true brand advocates, your, your, your current students, your alumni, whatever it might be. And what your what, you know, collective enrollment is basically suggesting is like, wait a second, what if we deliver the benefits of community for everyone, even if at the end of the day, they're not going to deposit and come to our school, but like, let's give them a taste of what this community is like digitally so that they can then decide whether or not they want this physically, right? Like uh, in real life. So I, that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, when you think about collective enrollment soup as a as a part of a larger marketing and and recruitment strategy at a school like how how does it fit like walk us through you know how this new framework specifically sort of like the leveraging of, of zini since this is kind of like the best example of, of what collective enrollment looks like in action how how does this fit with in an institution's just overarching enrollment marketing and, and student recruitment game plan. Yeah, I think it's I think it's super important. I mean, uh, if we I mean if we think honestly about this, there's there's probably just a handful of colleges and universities that exist that don't really have to stress about their enrollment numbers <laughs> and making their class. But but that's not most of us, yeah. you know, that's not yeah. like the colleges and universities that I worked for. I mean, we were tuition dependent, every single student mattered. And it's, it's becoming increasingly more difficult. It's more competitive. You know, you can look at things like birth rates. We know in upcoming years, there's even less students that are going to be, you know, in those graduating classes. And so it's, it's, it's the colleges and universities today who, who really understand you know, what this collective enrollment or what com community marketing is all about, and not only understand it, but are, are going to jump in and tap into leveraging it, they're just, they're just going to have a significant competitive advantages over the schools that don't. Again, like, you know, it's just, it's the reality. And, you know, whether that's Zemi or not, I mean, there may be other ways to kind of tap into community marketing, but, you know, that those are the schools that are going to win. And, you know, it's, you know, when you have an actively engaged community, of prospective students, sometimes years, like you mentioned, is that sometimes years before um, they're going to arrive on campus, you know, those students are going to be much more likely, you know, to attend that school when it comes time to make their decision because they they felt like they've been a part of that school for a long time, yeah. and so I think 
you know, again, that's that's where this is really important. I think the schools and colleges, universities that are kind of moving to this are going to have a distinct advantage over those that just kind of continue to do things the same traditional ways that we've always done it. You know, what's also coming to mind as you're as you're chatting here, Soup, is that what collective enrollment also has the potential to do is for all those students that engaged in your community, right? Like talked with folks, fell in love with, you know, the prospective class of 2025 at George Mason University or whatever it is, even if they opt to go to Georgetown instead, or they opt to go to, you know, James Madison, whatever it is, they, they go to a different school. You, you might've actually created a brand ambassador, right? That again, they're not a customer. Like they, they, they didn't they ultimately enroll in your institution, but right now when they're talking to their siblings or their friends, their younger peers, whatever it is, they might actually, you know, throw you a bone. They might actually say, oh, hey, you know what? I almost went here and there was, you know, I, I met these people and it was super cool. And ultimately, you know, I decided to go here for X, Y, or Z reason. But like, I strongly recommend, Soup, that you apply to this school. And like, I imagine over the next several years, what you're going to see is you're going to see a bunch of ambassadors, a bunch of student ambassadors for your school that have never actually gone to your school. But, right, they were a part of the community considering your school that at the end of the day, they might actually help influence and encourage their peers, their siblings, et cetera, to enroll at your institution. And that is something that I feel like we're just on, you know, the cusp of. But I, I imagine many realities where that happens. Yeah, I mean, the seed is planted. Yeah. I mean, think about this. Consider this. The student that's been in that community, that's that's built all those relationships for months and months, you know, ultimately that does decide to attend another university. What about grad school yeah. in a few years? Like, you know, circling back. And I literally had this conversation yesterday with, with the school that we were talking to. And they were like, but what happens when decisions go out and then some students are going to know that they get denied? Like, or is it going to be this negative experience? Uh, yeah. And like, it's crazy that it's like the exact opposite. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what's even more fascinating is, the majority of the time, even when a student in one community on Zimi maybe doesn't get accepted, like they don't, they don't even leave that community. They still stay, <laughs> yeah. even though they're going to ultimately go to, because they're like, look, I love all you guys. Like I've been in here for, you know, sometimes over a year. And so you're right. That seed is planted. And even if they decided on another school, they still very well may be a powerful advocate and voice for you in the future. Yeah. Let alone like a transfer, right? Like, and, and we're seeing right. an increase in transfers. So that's, that's totally plausible as well. It's super, super interesting. Wow. I, I just, I, I love this. I could talk all day about this. My final question for you, Soup, at least for now, is just, can you just offer a few tangible examples of, of how schools are using Zimi specifically in the execution of their collective enrollment strategy? So what are some ways in which current Zimi customers are, are leveraging the platform to, to do the very things that we're talking about? Yeah, so the beauty of Zimi is you have this captive audience that is actively engaging and participating 24-7. I think right now, on average, all of the students in these college and university Zimi communities now are active between nine and 11 times per day. Wow. You know, so like, think about that. Think about if they were going to your website nine to 11 times. Think about if they were opening your emails nine to 11 times a day. So when you have this kind of owned audience, this owned community, when you have this you know, captive audience there at your fingertips, it allows you to do some really cool things. So one of the things that's really popular on Zimi that all of our colleges and universities tap into are these kind of live social events. Mm. And, you know, we're, we're in the age now, you know, because of COVID, everybody's had to become experts on, on, you know, virtual and those things. But the reality is most of us do virtual really bad yeah. and, and maybe not bad, but just it's boring. It's yeah, boring. <laughs> and it's 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 transactional. It's information relay. It's trying to get RSVPs. You know, sign up. You know, to do this, listen to financial aid, talk to you for thirty minutes. Like you know, and none of us want to do that. Yeah. Students don't yeah. want to do that. And so on Zimi, there are these there live social events that are relational based. You know, and there are things like speed friending and trivia nights and emoji translation and tonight we're doing name that tune and and they're just light. They require little planning, no RSVPs. It's just hey tonight hop over to this channel, you know, and we're gonna do you know this this pet friending event where we're all gonna be talking about our pets and sharing. And like students love that and they're craving that. Like they're stressed. 
They have high levels of anxiety. They just want something light and fun to make more connections and relationships. So, you know, that's a big thing that our colleges and universities are tapping into on Zemi. And then another way that they're really leveraging their communities on Zemi are through really unique chat communities. You know, we kind of on Zemi, we kind of call them the different chat channels you can have in your community. And so there's all the traditional channels, like, you know, you've got your announcements channel and you've got things like ask a current student channel or ask a college rep. But I'm seeing partners do things like, hey, what if we do have this preview day coming up next month? What if we went on and all the students that are planning to, to attend that preview, what if we invited them to be in this private chat channel in our Zemi community? So they're literally going to arrive on campus for preview day, all of them already knowing each other, all of them already you know have been chatting. So things like really cool diversity and inclusion chat channels, like, you know what, we're trying to reach new audiences. We're trying to, you know, be able to you know, communicate with students that we've had difficulty communicating with. So I've seen partners do really unique chat channels around different demographics of students. I've seen student affairs and res life getting involved. Like, wait a minute, we could do OL chats that go all summer. We could have our OL leaders. We'd get the students that are assigned to them in their own private, you know, OL chats, and they can just chat all summer long, residence hall chats. So, you know, I think that experience of, of even getting these smaller micro communities within their their larger Zemi community are, are having a lot of success. And then again, just leveraging the other traditional marketing channels to drive students to their Zemi community. I think colleges and universities have realized, look, at the end of the day, we can keep doing all this stuff we're doing that's that's wonderful, but if we can just get these students in our Zemi community, we know the result of what's going to happen. Yeah. So like now they're leveraging, you know, now they're on their other social channels, like, hey, make sure you're in our Zemi community. Now, when you land on the website, like, hey, are you connected with us and chatting with all the other students in our Zemi community? So I think that's what, you know, colleges and universities are focused on now. Well, Soup, this is just a ton of fun. And I, I love what you guys are building. It makes a ton of sense to me. What I what I think is most interesting is, you know, you're, you're aligning your you guys are aligning your platform, but schools are aligning their strategies with the way in which Gen Z actually likes to make purchasing decisions it, within the way in which Gen Z likes to do research, right? Like they, they would like validation from peers. They appreciate, you know, authentic communication. They are constantly on their mobile devices, right? Like, and you guys have designed a system and the schools that are using Zemi have designed strategies that are just conducive to the way next generations of college students prefer to communicate and prefer to engage with brands. So super, super exciting. This is going to be a whole fun series for you Enrollify subscribers. So this was uh, part one of a four part series. And the next episode, we're going to be chatting with Vanessa, who is the CEO of Zemi. And we're going to be chatting about a world without Facebook and the college board, what the future of recruitment and student engagement might look like. Then we're going to talk to some Zemi power users, some students, and we've got a fun episode called How to Recruit Us, an open letter to admissions teams from Gen Z. And then we're going to have Zemi's co-founder, Adam Metcalf, on to talk about Zemi's founding story and how Zemi actually works. So it's going to be a fun, jam-packed series. So if you're not already subscribed, please do so below. Soup, thank you for your time. This has been a privilege. It's always fun to chat with you. And if folks want to learn more about Zemi, they can head on over to the Zemi website. We've got all the fun links below. Is there a you know preferred way that they should get in touch uh, if they're just interested in learning a little bit more about how Zemi might work for their, for their school? Yeah, absolutely. You can navigate to just colleges.zemi.com. Uh, kind of do some exploration there. And you know, there's certainly that that uh, you know, request form where you can kind of fill that out and, and get some information or where you'd like to go play. Yeah, Zach, this was awesome. Appreciate you taking the time and just having this conversation. I think it's it's really pertinent right now. And it's something that you know colleges and universities are really looking for. So this was great. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here.